one of the other features of this classification that the authors have been keen to stress is that it can be easily modified. So in years to come, whenever they have another world workshop, they they seem to think that this this version now is like version 1.0 and it can be upgraded much easier than just completely throwing it away and starting again. So you know, maybe the next one will be version 1.1 or, or something. So, you know, that's, that's the idea. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's obviously going to be with us for years to come. I think it's, it's good that we should know about it, it's particularly those of us that are directly involved in, in looking after people with, with periodontal diseases and conditions. Hello and welcome back to Series 4 of the Smile Revolution podcast. I'm Victoria Wilson, a dental therapist. This podcast is created for you, the dental profession, all around the world to inspire you in your career through the content shared by the wonderful interviewees. On today's podcast, recorded in the earlier part of the pandemic, whilst we were in the first lockdown, I speak to Jeff Sharp, a periodontist currently based in Dubai, who speaks extensively about the latest periodontal classification. This podcast is fueled with helpful advice to support optimising the implementation of the classification. Through listening to our conversation today, I hope you learn, gain inspiration and ideas for furthering your career path now, supporting oral health promotion to achieve oral health for all. Throughout this series, we will continue to share content on how to open doors of opportunity. And in support of this, it's now my time to share everything I have learned in running the Smile Revolution with you. And I've released a five-week course entitled Launching an Oral Health Promotional Project and Business. So join me and launch your own oral health promotional project too. The link to my course can be found on the website. If you felt the strain of the last months as I have and are searching for some dedicated you time, supporting your well-being as a dental professional in the comfort of your own home, you can now join me for Smile Revolution Yoga, running online every week. Details on the website. So today I have Jeff Sharp onto the Smile Revolution podcast. So thank you so much, Jeff, for agreeing to come on the podcast. My pleasure. We met in Dubai in, I can't think how many years ago when we were, well, well I was working in Dubai and you've been practicing in Dubai for a number of years. How many years it's now? 10 years already. Wow. It was, it was 10 years in March. My goodness, time flies, yeah. doesn't it? Because I, know. I was in Dubai 10 years and um, obviously being a hygienist, you were very prominent as a periodontist there supporting our work and meeting at different meetings was obviously so helpful. And I believe somebody from the BSP initially informed me that you were in Dubai and to connect with you. So <laughs> okay. 
Small world, eh? It is a small world, I know. And we just have been regrouping since the podcast started and um, our discussions evolved to the point we thought maybe it would be helpful for the listeners to record a podcast on the new classification and how Jeff has really implemented it within practice and spread it amongst a wider audience in Dubai and um for listeners to gain an insight on how to how to really implement it in a, in a simple way and keeping it as simple as possible. So, Jeff, in our initial discussions, we spoke about the fact that there have previously been two classifications for both our career, our, our work right. within dentistry. So things have already changed quite substantially and we've already adapted, haven't we, from one classification to the next. And what was your experience in, in that first phase from, from when you, since you've been working within dentistry? Yeah, well, that's right. It's, it's worth stressing that for a lot of, for a lot of people, there's been a, um, it's been a big deal that wow, there's a there's a new classification suddenly arrived on the scene. But it's worth pointing out that this process does happen, as as you said, from time to time. The experts from around the world get together and they they hold what they call a world workshop in periodontology, and they use those meetings to look at the the latest research and the evidence and to define what periodontal diseases and conditions should be. So, yeah, I'm going to give away my age now. The The previous one was released in 1999, and that was a year after I qualified from dental school. So as an undergraduate, as a dental student, I was taught the previous version, which included things like localized juvenile periodontitis and rapidly progressing periodontitis and stuff like that. And then in 1999, those early onset conditions, as they were known, were all lumped under one new term, which was aggressive periodontitis. So for the last 20 years or so, uh, we've been working with chronic and aggressive periodontitis. And, And of course, several other different types of periodontal conditions. Um, now, uh, we're working with the 2017 classification. And the, both of those, chronic and aggressive periodontitis, are now considered to be a spectrum of the same disease. So we just refer to them as periodontitis cases. And there are ways of describing them, which we'll probably get into. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. These, these things do evolve and, and they change over time. And periodically, the experts will get together and they'll, they'll figure out a new way of classifying things. Yeah. And I think as well, obviously, you just mentioned this was obviously released in 2017. I actually qualified in 2003, but I was aware even of the previous classification before the 1999 one that was yeah, released no, no, no. because and that's an example that it takes years for it to actually be fully integrated I believe within the profession because yes. even qualifying in 2003 I've been aware of the two and I think again this is a reason why we're discussing this now 
um, in the time that we're in. It obviously has been released for a number of years, but still not everybody is fully utilising the new classification. And it takes time to adopt to using something new and and adapt. So um, how did you initially get your head around it, Jeff? How did you simplify it? How did I get my head around it? Um, the, the first thing I would say is, well, actually, the first thing I should say is, please don't shoot the messenger. I had no um, role in coming up with this classification. <laughs> that was for far, far more important uh, people than me to decide. But um, it was a joint project between the American Academy of Periodontology and the European Federation of Periodontology, which is an umbrella organization of many different national perio societies from around Europe. And so after the, the workshop, which was in 2017, they published their findings and it was disseminated through those national societies. So I'm a member of the AAP. I'm also a member of the British Society of Periodontology. And both of those groups released the research paid up the publications i should say to their members and i felt at the time that as a periodontist i ought to uh read those papers and try and understand them and try and make sense of them yeah and and i basically just jumped in and started trying to use that classification for patients that were coming into my clinic and the interesting thing is when you when you read these papers, they, they can seem a bit daunting. They're full of tables and charts and flow charts and things like that. Absolutely. But in actual fact, when you when you go through the process, if you look at those tables and you 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 go through a, a patient's records, their their charting and their X-rays, it's fairly straightforward. Uh, so now, in the same way that you could perhaps have just eyeballed somebody's OPG and said, well, I think this was a case of um, um, severe generalized periodontitis. You could probably eyeball the same OPG and say, well, I think this is a, a stage three generalized periodontitis. And if you know how old the patient is, then you, then you can also uh, have a pretty good stab at there. At the grade, as we as we'll come on to, so yeah. To answer your question, how did I get my head around it? Um, I yeah, I looked at those papers, the 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 tables that lead you through the staging and the grading process for periodontitis. I, as you know, I, I printed them off. I got them laminated. I keep one in the surgery, which and, I think is a really good tip for everybody. Um, if you're still not utilising it all the time, is do print off something that's simple to you that you can comprehend that you can just keep looking back and forth at, right? That's right. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah, it's just a. a I mean, it's okay. So it's a it's a piece of A4, and it, and it can sit in the surgery, and and for the first ten or twenty times that you use it, you can you can really just check that you that you that you're following the right steps. But it, but if you are doing it regularly. It, it does become uh, fairly straightforward after a while, so don't panic sure. yeah. if you're not if you're not implementing it yet, and you're putting it off because everyone thinks it's going to be too confusing or complicated. Stick with it. 
give yourself a little cheat sheet, as you just said, and and after a few a few goes at it, you'll realise that actually it's not it's not as onerous as you might have perhaps thought. I think. Yeah, and um, you know, finding that staging and grading kind of flowchart that is easy for you to understand because. There are many ones and we're all learners, you know, we all learn things in different ways and we need different um, pointers for, to, for, for us to be able to understand certain things, and, you know, depending on our learning abilities. But yeah. finding the one that works for you and even adapting it if you feel that you need to maybe adapt it to, to something that's clear. And what about for team members? Now, you're a periodontist and obviously you ref or oh, lots of people refer into you and then obviously patients are returning to their general dental practitioner. Something that we have spoken about, and I and I feel this is something that also common, you know, for people that aren't or for clinicians that aren't generally doing six-point pocket charting, they're letting the hygienist do this. For them to get their head around this staging and grading system, what advice would you give for how you've spread the word amongst your community of referrers um, and clinicians that you work with? Yeah. Well, um, obviously, I, I, I did what we just said. I, I, I got a bunch of uh, charts laminated. I sent them out. Sure. Um, I've been to visit clinics to um, to, to discuss how to work through it for those that are interested. But if we take a step back, I, I really think that the, the most important part of all of this is that we are, as professionals, we're, we're screening patients for periodontal diseases, we're, we're examining them properly, and we're identifying those cases that, that might need periodontal treatment. So I think what that means is not, not everybody will necessarily need to go through all of this. Um, if, for example, uh, you're not providing periodontal treatment personally, you know, maybe you're referring it to a, a hygienist or a therapist, or maybe you're referring it outside the practice, um, then you probably don't need to go through all of these steps. For for that kind of clinician, then. Probably the BPE examination is, is still the one to use as, because that's a perfect screening tool. That's what it was really developed for. And then, so, so uh, again, to go back to your, your question, um, the, the patients that are referred to me from other clinics, they often will, well, they, they may come in with a, with a BPE or they might not. Um, but the first thing I do is a six point pocket chart and a full periodontal examination and when I write my reports back to referring dentists and other clinicians I will give them the the full classification and I, and I think that's important for me really because I'm a specialist I'm supposed to know what I'm doing and what I'm dealing with so I think that might just help those people understand that okay he's diagnosed this type of periodontitis and I share my uh, charting with them, and they don't necessarily have to understand how we arrived at that point, but at least 
at least they have that information if they need it. I've got a reference to go to. And I guess this is something as well amongst the team, dental hygienists, um, you know, dental therapists, they can utilise um, a chart and spread it amongst the team and yeah, maybe have a meeting to discuss it if anyone's got further questions, you know, to really run through it and simplify it. Yeah, I mean, this this is a this has been a great opportunity to to. I mean, let's be honest, periodontics isn't the most glamorous speciality, but this has been a good, a nice chance to raise our profile a little bit. Something new and important has happened, and we are the people that um, that know about these things. So, and it doesn't doesn't have to be just periodontists that are spreading this knowledge. Uh, there, are, there must be thousands of hygienist therapists that that are the the you know the primary uh, clinician for for most patients that are that are having periodontal treatment. So there, it's a great chance for them to uh, not just educate their own teams, but maybe other nearby practices as well, and and just be the the, the expert in in our field. I think that's a really neat. A neat opportunity to to take advantage of if you if you haven't already. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And championing it because um, you know we all thrive on learning new things, and um, you know to then be able to understand obviously the new staging and grading if we um, haven't documented it, but to read it in the notes is you know really important, isn't it? And like you said, to to spread the word and utilize it as something as perio. Yeah people working within period to share. Now, um, Jeff, there was something else um, I just wanted to go into. So so you've spoken briefly about how you got your head around it. Can we now yeah. just dive into it a bit more? So essentially, the staging is for listeners that are already utilising it to understand the clinical attachment loss, radiographic bone loss and tooth loss. So that's yeah. In its infancy, well, in the, in the simplest form, that's exactly what the staging is focusing on. Am I right? Yes. So you can you can think of staging as the severity of disease. So um, if you go back to those original publications that describe this classification, they actually focus on clinical attachment levels, which is something that we don't routinely measure, if I'm honest. Uh, I mean, there are there are situations where it's very important to measure that, but generally we're we're, we're measuring um, pocket depths, and then we're looking at uh, radiographs to to measure bone loss. So it says quite on in the uh, in the um, in the classification that if clinical attachment level measurements aren't available. Then radiographic bone loss is a is a is a is the next best thing. Absolutely. So yeah. so let's just get real for a minute and say, just use the X rays. Look at the look at the radiographs and determine how much bone loss there is. That and that tells you how severe the disease is and therefore what stage the patient is at. So yeah, you're quite right. Staging is simply a, a, a measure of how severe the disease is based on the amount of bone loss. And, and, and again, in a perfect world, previous tooth loss from periodontitis. Now, the patient might have lost teeth, but you don't always know why they were lost or how they were lost. Um, 
I think I don't want to uh, jump around too much, but it, it seems to me that the one of the original rationales for this classification was to help future research. So maybe as as scientists start using this classification more and more, they might have access to longitudinal data that, that will confirm that somebody lost teeth due to periodontitis. And and then and 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 maybe again in a research setting, they are measuring clinical attachment levels more consistently. And therefore they would get a really accurate assessment of the stage. But yeah, this the stage is really just how severe is the periodontitis based mostly on on the amount of bone loss. Yeah. And then we we actually we we added on this in our discussions previously, and maybe it's something to bring up in the way that we're communicating this to patients. Um, because while we're speaking about the staging, what are your thoughts on utilizing the new classification in explaining the patient's status on their periodontal disease? That's a great question. Um, because as as well as you know, staging is is how severe is the disease. And then there is grading, which is basically how fast is this um, progressing. Um, so um, there's grades A, B, and C, and, and grade A is, is, is very slowly progressing. B is moderate, you could say, and C is a very rapidly progressing periodontitis. So the full description would have a stage and a grade. Absolutely. Now, I, I understand that those terms were specifically chosen by the by the authors because other diseases, most notably cancer, has has a similar description. You, you you get a stage and a grade, and I think some of the some of the group felt that that was possibly um, a helpful idea that patients might relate to that. They've heard these descriptions before. Sure. Personally speaking, I never use them in front of a patient. I I feel like it's good to avoid emotive terms if we can. Mm. And in fact, thinking about it, I, I don't even I don't think I even tell a patient that they've got periodontitis. Never mind what stage or grade they have. I, I really try and use words that I think the patient's going to understand. So. If somebody comes to me with um, uh, periodontitis, and of course I examine them and, and and go through this process, and for my own records, I will I will write in the notes that they've got periodontitis and which stage and which grade and whether it's stable or not. But when it comes to the patient, I'll t- I'll just tell them that their gums are very inflamed, and of course I'll explain as we all do what what causes that inflammation and what mm. the consequences might be and uh, what might happen if they don't have treatment and what we can do to help them and what the benefits of that treatment would be. But I really phrase my discussion along the lines of their gums are very inflamed. I don't say that they've got, you have periodontitis uh, stage two, grade three molar incisor pattern. You yeah. know, I, I just tell them that, that they've got inflamed gums. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the staging and the grading is more helpful for professionals and, and ultimately for for academics. Re- research, like you said, yeah. So that's probably 
I think that that resonates with me. What you're saying is it has its place for our clinical data and from a research point of view. But going back to an article that I wrote that I know we connected on, on the words we use in dentistry, it's to discuss things with patients. It's not necessarily needed to fully explain it. Um, from a professional yeah. standpoint, yes, we obviously need to know it, but... I don't think anybody wants to 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 just hear jargon that they don't understand. Um, the, just thinking about it now, the, the exception to that rule might be, uh, you probably faced this in your career millions of times, you, you, you explain the situation to a patient and they look all, all worried and anxious and they say, well, how bad is it though? You know, am I, am I the worst case you've ever seen? You know, they, 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 they're, it's almost like a, um, a bit of a, a leading question in some ways because I think when patients say things like that, they, they, they're just looking for reassurance. So I can see some situations where I might say, well, as, as professionals, we, we, we give these, um, these types of gum problems names and, and it's called periodontitis and it's, it's got a stage depending on how severe it is and, and it's got a grade depending on how fast it might have happened. And there are um, four stages and three grades and you are at this stage and that means X, Y, and Z. So if it's a really, really interested patient who, who I think is looking for some sort of, you know, they're really seeking that level of, yeah. you know, some patients really need to know all the details and some of them, would really prefer not to know anything. <laughs> um, so I think in, in in those situations where someone really, really is 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 interested enough, mm. it, it could have value. But but for the vast majority, I, I don't. I yeah. just don't know. it's on a case by case. As every patient is unique, and the way that we approach each appointment is in a unique way, isn't it? But Absolutely. I think it was a good. Thanks for sharing that example. I think it was a good example that you need to maybe think about it on occasions, but maybe it's not a routine thing that we need to be explaining it or we shouldn't feel we need to fully explain it all to patients um, as we want to keep things, I guess, as the profession as simple as possible so that they understand it and can relate to it um, yeah. as as much as possible. And I think, again, this is all going back to the reason we're recording this podcast is to simplify really um any confusion maybe that people have or, or fear factor they have about implementing it and sharing it with the team and maybe over helping to overcome challenges that they've had in implementing the new classification. And I think you, you also shared in a previous conversation that we had, you know, basically there's only one thing that's changed. What is your input on that, Jeff? Yeah, you're, you're right. The, the, the one thing that has changed is what we call it. In our, in our written notes or, or perhaps in correspondence or discussion with colleagues. The, the, the underlying disease, the periodontitis, is the same as it always was. It's caused by the same uh, things that it always was. We, 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 we manage it in exactly the same way. So um, there's, nothing, there's nothing to be too scared about. It's just the names that have changed. The you know the underlying disease, the way that we treat it, and by the way, the way that we, the way that we examine patients is is the same. Exactly. You know, we're, we're still looking at bleeding on probing, pocket depths, bone loss on X-rays, 
um, maybe recession, um, mobility, maybe vocations. All of those things we're still assessing in exactly the same way that we would have done two years ago. Yeah. The or three years ago. The the only thing that's that's changed is is that final name that we're that we're calling it. Yeah. And that's and that's um that's fairly easy to work out from one of these low mm. charts using the data that we've just talked yeah. about. And how I see it, because I, I did some, I was exposed to it really early on in it, um, like you've just highlighted as well, we were collating all of this data re regardless. Previously, mm -hmm. we were still looking at everything. But now we have one way of simplifying the way we are documenting it in our notes, essentially instead of marking down the risk factor, uh, systemic factors, da, 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 da. Well, we probably will go into it and expand on it a bit more, but at least it's all there in one stage and one grade. Yeah, yeah. And the other point I, I think is worth, is worth stressing as well is that um, no, nobody's going to get struck off if they, if they accidentally put the wrong stage or the wrong grade to a patient. It, you know, in, in the same way that... We, we might have seen patients previously that, that we weren't necessarily 100% sure whether this is chronic or aggressive periodontitis. You know, they, they might be sort of in the age range that could be either, they, you know, their smoking history might have played a part. Um, you know, at, at, at some point in those days, you just had to label it as either chronic or aggressive based on the... Um, on the presenting factors and your and your clinical judgment. So these flow charts that we use now to come up with a stage and a grade, they're fairly clear, they're fairly prescriptive, but if you get it wrong, don't worry. <laughs> you know, I really don't think anyone's going to get into trouble over this. Uh, I think, the, if anything, it demonstrates that, that you have at least examined the patient properly. And you've and you've really been uh, looking at this and, and diagnosing what you can, and hopefully uh, informing the patient and, uh, and arranging or offering treatment. So I, I don't think people should be too frightened about about using it in case they get something wrong. I don't, I don't think that's the intention at all. No, and for those of um, the listeners, you know, we we're all kind of not really we're not back in practice yet and we thought this was also a good time to maybe speak about it because if you haven't adopted already the new classification now is your opportunity to maybe get your head around it more and start you know even practicing maybe with case scenarios at home writing down a case scenario and thinking okay what could the stage and the grade be for this and what absolutely if, you yeah. know and maybe yeah. sharing it again with your team. Now's your opportunity to speak with your team so that when you go back, you, you are implementing. And like you quite rightly just said, Jeff, if you get it wrong, it's okay. But, you know, starting to utilise it is, you know, a good way forward to making, well, to analysing and collating all the data for each patient. That's right. Yeah. And it, and it, and it doesn't, I mean, obviously we're all, um, normally we're all very busy uh, seeing patients and uh, all of those things. Um, it, this doesn't have to be done while the patient's in the chair. You know, if 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 you really feel um, that you need a bit of extra time, just to sit down with your with your flow chart 
um, it, it, it could just be a few minutes uh, at the end of the day, just just to just to reconfirm the findings from your examination earlier on. You know, it's the information is all there in the in the periodontal examination, and, and in fact, most most of it, almost all of it, can be done from the radiographs. If, if those are available, you can get almost all the information that you need to come up with the classification just from an X-ray. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for your insight into this and how you've adopted it and sharing what you have for the listeners or maybe ways that they can, you know, start working with it. So thank you so much. Well, thank you, Victoria. Thanks for having me on the show. It's, uh, it's, it's been nice to chat about it. I'm sorry it's not the most interesting subject, but it, I think, it, as I said before, it's something that it's here now, it's, it's, it's here to stay. Although one of, the, one of the other features of this classification that the authors have been keen to stress is that it can be easily modified. So in years to come, whenever they have another world workshop, they, they seem to think that this, this version now is like version 1.0 and it can be upgraded much easier than just completely throwing it away and starting again. Yeah. So you know, maybe the next one will be version 1.1 or, or something. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's that's the idea. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's obviously going to be with us for years to come. I think it's it's good that we should know about it, it's particularly those of us that are directly involved in, in looking after people with, with periodontal diseases and conditions. So, um, I mean, if anybody needs any pointers, if, if you want to see any other charts or tables that I use, let me know. Be happy to help. Oh, that's so kind, Jeff. Thank you so much. Um, I'm sure you will receive some emails from some listeners then. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know you've helped a lot of people with this already. So thank you so much. And um, now it's the Smile Revolution Fire Round. And I just want to ask you, Jeff, um, where would you like to see Perio in the minds of the public five years from now? Well, that's a great question. I think that it would be great if we can help the public understand the importance of periodontal health. Because, of course, for a lot of people, it doesn't directly cause any symptoms. A lot of my patients aren't necessarily aware of a problem until their dentist or hygienist tells them that they should uh, get some treatment. So I think if we can help patients understand the importance of their oral health and how that fits in with their overall general health, I think that would be a really nice message to to get to get across in the next few years, if we can. Yeah, and as more and more evidence evolves, um, we have more supporting documents confirming the oral systemic correlation yeah. so yeah i couldn't agree more and now is a time more than ever i feel an opportunity to connect with the public as people are so health conscious after what's currently going on so absolutely yeah that's right now yeah. is our time jeff thank you so much for your time and coming on to the smile revolution podcast thank you thanks again thanks so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode please share it, rate it and leave a review. 
please email me on info at smile-revolution.net. I can't wait to learn how this recording has impacted you. And lastly, don't forget to like, subscribe and follow Smile Revolution on social media for more content. Please engage in the comments section. I will read all and respond to as many as possible. The podcast audio is available on all major platforms and some video content on the podcast can now be found on the Smile Revolution YouTube channel. To stay up to date on all Smile Revolution projects, subscribe to the Smile Revolution newsletter by emailing info at smile-revolution.net stating subscribe to newsletter. You can now join me for Smile Revolution Yoga, yoga dedicated to the well-being of the dental profession. Thanks so much for joining and being part of the Smile Revolution.